All right, why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Dear God, thank you for this time. Thank you for all that you are doing in the church. Thank you in particular for uh, combining two healthy churches into one, um, Creekside Community Church and Grace Bible Fellowship, now uh, Creekside Bible Church. Thank you for the uh, series that we've just had where the uh, elders are, have shared their testimony with the, uh, the combined uh, congregation. So thank you for this time. Uh, please be with us. Please uh, um, uh, help me through this, this time. May glory be given to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So this is the eighth and the last of the uh, elder testimonies. And um, my goal today is to be transparent with you as best as I can, and um, also the goal is that God be given the glory. Um, so giving my life testimony periodically is actually a beneficial thing for me. It actually prompts me to look at my, um, my journey from a holistic point of view, look back and look at the whole thing. Uh, I've shared details of my salvation testimony several times as it kind of fits natural conversation, but I've only given my full testimony one other time. And that actually was about six years ago at a Grace Bible Fellowship men's breakfast. I don't know if some of you were there. Uh, you ladies probably weren't there, but uh, maybe some of the men were there. That was the first time. This is the second. During this testimony, just so happens as I was preparing, you're going to hear the number three quite often. And therefore, I've, been t I've titled this version of my testimony, The Power of Three. And let's just jump right in, okay? So, I am a third-generation Chinese-American. That means that my grandparents, and in this case, my maternal grandparents, were the first generation in my family that immigrated to the U.S. from China. My mother was actually born in Stockton, California. She's the fifth of seven children. She's the youngest daughter. Uh, she lived to the age of 90. She passed away about two years ago. My father uh, was born in China, but he was born in the village, um, not the city portion, in the Canton area, which is southern part of China. Um, he's the youngest of five. He actually has three older sisters and then one adopted brother. His brother, his oldest sister... Those two, they relocated to San Francisco, and eventually, after my father came, eventually, um, I remember my, his father and his mother also uh, immigrated. My father's still alive today. He's 95 years old. He lives in San Francisco alone in the house that I grew up in. Uh, he'll be celebrating his 96th birthday in October. Okay. Now, I am the youngest of three children. I'm called the bonus. That's what my mother referred to me as. Okay. I was also born in San Francisco. Uh, I have an older sister. She's 13 years older than I am. And my brother is nine years older than I am. So you can see I was the bonus. Um, effectively, I was an only child growing up in those formative years of junior high and high school. Okay, my upbringing. It was mostly... A, I would say, a Chinese-American upbringing. What does that mean? Um, and actually, it was specifically a Cantonese-American. And a can't, that's a little bit narrower than, than Chinese-American, because 
Canton is an area in southern China. They speak a different language than the rest of China. They speak Cantonese. Um, most of China speaks Mandarin. Uh, so there's a difference there. The, another difference is our family is from the village area. They speak not the typical Cantonese. It's actually a dialect of Cantonese. They don't understand each other necessarily, people who speak the village dialect and the uh, official Cantonese. But anyway, uh, all of my father's friends were Cantonese. Um, most of my mother's friends were Cantonese, except a few friends that she had from work. Uh, my parents would either host or they went to somebody else's house Friday evening for mahjong. They play for hours, and uh, you always had to finish it off with a midnight snack. Um, so that, that's part of the upbringing, and it was hosted at my my home many times, I remember. Uh, I was forced, actually, to use my right hand for writing and for eating. So that, that was passed down to me. Um, it it kind of stopped at my generation because I have two left-handed daughters, and, and I let them uh, uh, use their left hand. Um, though we didn't live near Chinatown, but I learned to swim. I took swimming lessons at the Chinatown YMCA instead of other branches of the Y that were closer to me. And I also joined a junior high club at the Chinese YMCA. And every Saturday afternoon, they had some kind of event, mostly sporting. Sometimes I went to a movie. But I remember going down there every Saturday. And, and it, was, it, it took a while. It probably took about 40 minutes to get down there on the bus. Uh, but I did that. And I went to several of the Chinese YMCA summer camps. Um, I, my parents sent me to a Cantonese language school to try to learn uh, Chinese. Um, this, there were different types of schools, though. There are schools that you go Monday through Friday. I went to the one that just met on Saturday. And I, I went because they sent me. But most of the time, my focus was on recess, where they played basketball. Um, to this day, I don't really speak Cantonese. Um, and part of that is because of what I said before. What they taught in school was the official Cantonese, but what I heard at home was the village dialect. So I got quite confused. All right. Uh, the first two churches that I went to, they were actually Chinese or Chinese-American. So that gives you an idea of what my upbringing is. But as I've communicated to my daughters and my son-in-laws, uh, sons-in-law, I identify more with the 1961 movie Flower Drum Song. I identify more than that than the 2018 movie Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. So if you, if you haven't watched that, you can watch and see the differences. Anyway, all right. Moving on, marriage and children. In 1978, I met Donna casually on the UC Berkeley campus. She was introduced to me by her then boyfriend, uh, who was my best friend at the time. Uh, she was going to the same church that I was going to in San Francisco, but I didn't actually know her from the church. Um, all right, fast forward. In 1985, several years later, we were married. We've been married for 34 years. Okay, 
a picture showing uh, me surrounded by my four favorite females. That used to be my favorite photograph for many, many years. And if it's up there, okay, let me, let me identify some. Uh, the prettiest person is the one on the bottom right, my life partner, Donna. Right? At the top left is our eldest, Allie. At the bottom left is the middle child, Shelly. And at the top right is the youngest, Kimmy. All right. As of May 2019, I now have a new family favorite picture of eight. So, uh, Allie and Evan, they've been married almost two years. They live in Denver, Colorado. Shelly and Malcolm, married for two and a half months, live in Boise, Idaho. Kimmy and Russ, engaged in getting married in 11 months, they will likely live in, in or near Greensboro, North Carolina. So in four months, uh, Kimmy's actually going to be moving to North Carolina to attend Elon University for graduate school. Right? So that's a little bit about family, family life. Let's shift gears a little bit now to work. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing in work is because I am a lay elder. I have never worked um, on a church staff, never been paid by the church. So I've worked in Silicon Valley my whole career. I've been at three, uh, there are three major companies that I've been at where I've been there for 10 years or more. And so the first one that I've spent a long time at is Amdahl Corporation. And I've got a bunch of Christian stories there that you can ask me offline. Uh, second phase, I went to a startup called Quick Turn Design Systems that were that was bought out or acquired by Cadence Design Systems. In total, I was there for 12 years. Um, I actually volunteered for a reduction in force at that time. And uh, when I went back to work, I went to Symbol Technologies. Um, eventually, going to Symbol Technologies was acquired by Motorola. And Motorola split into two entities, Motorola. Motorola Mobility and Motorola Solutions. I went with them. And uh, then the original Symbol Technology Group was bought by Zebra. So I was in the same cubicle for 10 years, uh, working for four different companies there. All right, and now I'm actually uh, at Amazon in Sunnyvale. Been there for a little over two years. So that's a little bit about work life. Okay, church life. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to introduce my myself as though I'm introducing a new member. I thought that'd be kind of fun since I, since I do that a lot. All right. So Tim received Christ at age seven. He was baptized by immersion uh, in his late teen years. Um, ministries prior to coming to Creekside Bible Church, uh, he was a high school and college fellowship group council member. He was a head usher. Uh, he was a, an adult fellowship group leader. He was a deacon uh, overseeing ministries such as the bus ministry, missions. Uh, he taught part of the membership class. And he co-founded a ministry called the Asian American Ministry, which was uh, fellowship, for fellowship and edification. Spiritual giftedness. Uh, he lists administration, and he's been told by some that uh, he may have the gift of teaching. Hobbies. He likes playing basketball. He likes collecting and wearing Hawaiian shirts. 
and uh, he likes trying new restaurants. So that's a little bit about Tim. Okay, a little bit more in detail now. Uh, I had non-Christian parents. Um, my yet my sister and my brother and I were dropped off at a church in San Francisco Chinatown called the Chinese Independent Baptist Church or CIBC. And I I'm believing that this is at my sister's influence. My sister is a believer and she goes to a church now up in Redwood City. My brother is not a believer. Um, he lives in this area in, uh, in Sunnyvale. When I was a young adult, uh, he did tell me that even though we were dropped off, and I, w I was about five years old at the time, so the three of us would get picked up by somebody else, we'd get dropped off, and I'd, they'd shuttle me off to class, and that's all I, I really knew until after church when I saw them again. So my brother told me, um, when I was a young adult, that he would actually go down the block uh, to the playground away from church and play basketball during the time that church was going on. So, and he, he, my understanding is that he was turned off from Christianity by a bad referee call or a bad sportsmanship that was by a pastor. So uh, that, that's, um, that's his, his journey. All right. Significant churches. That first church, uh, CIBC, Chinese Independent Baptist Church uh, from San Francisco, Chinatown. Again, I was about five or six years old. Uh, I remember the great teaching they had, uh, both in, in the Sunday school and the children's church time. So I remember getting a little pale green ribbon bookmark for having memorized the books of the Bible in order. And I, I thought that was, that was pretty cool as I thought back. Um, we also learned a lot of great children's church songs, some of which I remember today. Don't worry, I will not sing them. Uh, but they had simple titles like Stop and, or Go. Um, another one I remember is One Way. Um, and it's great because of the training I had as a five or six-year-old, and I still remember them today. So it had great influence on me. Okay. After about a year or so, uh, I started going to San Francisco Bible Church in San Francisco. And why did I go? Well, because my ride took me there. And again, I think it was um, a bunch of people from that CIBC church in Chinatown shifted churches and ended up going to San Francisco Bible Church, SFBC. So this was an, a new church plant at the time. It was about one year old. It was started by uh, a pastor and his family, his wife and four kids. They were ministering to about six or seven high school girls. Um, that's how they started. We're there about a year later. Um, uh, again, my ride, who used to take us to Chinatown, now are taking us to this other church by the Golden Gate Park area in San Francisco. So I stayed there 21 years. Um, as I mentioned, I was saved at about age seven. Um, the gospel was explained at church. I remember that uh, one day after church, I was actually on my bed, and I was just thinking about, about what had um, been taught that Sunday. And this one Sunday, I can, can vaguely remember, it just made sense to me. But what impressed me was that God 
is a God of absolutes. And uh, he was the only one that we could depend on completely to take care of our sins. And without exception, he can do that. So I, I, the impression that I had was God was a God of absolutes and he could be depended on. That's what I remember. All right. Uh, so I attended that church only Sundays. And I was picked up by somebody else until uh, late junior high. And then I started attending Friday night fellowship groups uh, with junior hires. I had found out afterwards that those junior high school leaders were praying for me to be more committed in my faith. Uh, so for 14 years, I was there 21 years, 14 years, I remember five people that I've listed down here who faithfully drove me to church, at least Sundays and also Fridays. So they had such an influence in my life. Okay. Um, after uh, the 21 years at uh, SFBC, Donna and I had already been married and we had moved down to Sunnyvale. We were commuting up to San Francisco. And uh, we eventually, after searching for about five months for churches in this area, we landed at First Baptist Church of Los Altos. So I, I was there for 17 years. Uh, it was there that I met, and I think in order here, I met Sam, uh, I met Bob, and I met Cliff. Right? So the four of us and our wives, so the eight of us, we are the eight remaining founding members of GBF out of the 22. Um, but, but it was there at FBCLA that I met Sam, Bob, and Cliff. In my last few months there, I remember a meeting with a few individuals there uh, to pray for a revival or strengthening in the church leadership. Um, and I, was, I remember doing that for, for a few months. Uh, God answered the prayer by me actually leaving and helping to start Grace Bible Fellowship. That, that was his path for me. Uh, the reason why I was, I was um, caring about the leadership so much actually dates back to maybe two decades before where um, I, I was in seminary for a little bit and my Greek professor um, had this paper that he had written on uh, biblical elders. And this was not part of the class, but he gave it to me. And so I read that, studied it, and uh, that had an influence on me. But uh, that's what God used to help move me over to GBF. Okay, so GBF. Um, I've been at GBF since the very beginning, until its end on June 30th this year. Uh, that's almost 13 years. Um, I was on what was called the advisory council from the beginning, and Sam and Bob and Cliff were as well. So we were called the advisory council because only Cliff was an elder at the time. He was the only one ordained at the elder. So even though we were in leadership, you couldn't call us elders. Um, I did help start the first churchwide Bible study, which was in... Spring of 2007, the church started in fall of 2006, um, and I was the main teacher for that for about a year, year and a half. Uh, then um, I, along with Sam and Bob, were ordained as elders in 2008, so two years after we started. So uh, the three of us plus Cliff made four elders. So then we changed the name to the elders. 
uh, after that. All right, so that's a little bit about churches, the three main churches. Let me tell you a little bit more about um, my faith journey. So I don't consider myself to have great faith, but there have been some bright spots along my journey. Um, here are some milestones in my journey. So I remember at a church summer camp, this is when I was going to SFBC, uh, went to many of their summer camps. So I think I was about in high school. I remember at that time uh, being willing to commit myself to full-time Christian service if God so called. Um, he didn't, uh, at least not yet. So I've been in the working world uh, as a lay elder, but I remember significantly the point was I was making myself available for him if he wanted to use me that way. Okay, another, another milestone I'd say in my journey is I never joined SFBC as a member. And uh, up in that time, up until that time, I was a head usher. Uh, head ushers did not have to be members, so I was there. Uh, the reason why I didn't join is I did not agree with their covenant at the time, which had an extra clause about drinking, about not drinking. It wasn't a problem for me. I had never had a drink up to that time, and I didn't plan to. I was probably in my late teenage years. Um, so that wasn't the problem. But it was that I felt that the statement was an extra-biblical statement, and I didn't want it to lead to um, any kind of uh, legalism later. It was just something that the Bible didn't say. It was extra. And so I resigned as head usher at that time since the leadership then changed that head usher position to be one that required membership. Um, okay, then I did attend seminary for a little bit. Um, there was the Western Conservative Baptist Seminary, which was uh, headquartered in, in Oregon. They actually wanted to start some satellite campuses. So I was in the pilot uh, program when they came down to uh, the Los Gatos area. So that was in the mid-1980s. I took four classes there. First one was uh, theological foundations and then three Greek classes. And um, I thought about enrolling full-time um, or actually not necessarily enrolling full-time but enrolling for a degree. Instead, I audited. Uh, I, didn't, I never went for a degree. Uh, at the rate I was going, it would have taken me 12 years to get uh, a, an MA in exegetical theology. And I thought that I wanted to rather invest in my wife, my marriage, family, friends, and probably basketball. So, so I, uh, I opted not to, to go that route, but I did have those four um, really good classes. Okay, along that journey, another milestone I remember is actually just having faith that God would take care of me uh, and, and praying to him in both the little things and the big things. So my example of a little thing is this uh, really small $30 voltmeter that, that I just wanted to, to buy um, for a hobby. But at that time, I was a student. I didn't have much money. So I just prayed that God would work it out, and he worked it out. That's in the small things. An example of a big thing is the first home that Donna and I purchased. Um, so this is now talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. But, but God was, was very faithful, and he took care of the details and, and paved the way. So in the small and the big things. Okay, 
So when, when Donna and I decided to leave that church in San Francisco, SFBC, which on, on record is not an ethnic church, but if you go there, it was 90, 95% um, Asian American. Uh, we decided that we, when we moved down, uh, after we moved down here, we were going to look for a local church here. We were going to go to a non-ethnic church. So that was another step of faith. Um, it actually took Donna many, many years to feel comfortable in a non-Asian church. Um, but, but we felt that was the right thing to do. Okay, another, another milestone is uh, one of my daughters was falsely accused, and we as a family were wronged when we were attending Los Altos Christian School. We were, I was actually told by the pastor of that church during the time that this was going on, that we were being wronged. But nothing changed uh, about that. We, we actually had to leave the school. Uh, one year later, I was told by the number two in charge of the school that we were wronged. But um, what happened was I, I um, met with the administration of the school, told our, our side of the story, but respectfully um, went along with their decision. We went over to another Christian school for a year. That Christian school happened to close down after that year. So I went back to uh, LACS to ask if we could be reinstated. That's when I, I talked to the number two in charge. Um, the reason why I bring this up is God's in control. Um, uh, there was actually some good things that came out of us going to the other school for a year. Okay, um, another faith milestone is actually stepping out and helping to start GBF 13 years ago. All right. uh, one of the things after we started GBF, several years into GBF, uh, another little milestone is we almost ended up um, on property at another church in Campbell. And uh, I, we actually said no, but that was actually a harder decision for me than actually starting GBF. And uh, it was uh, up to that point, and even now, we've been renting at SDA churches. And um, that Campbell property had a lot of benefits. But there was something about it where it wasn't, it wasn't something that I thought uh, God really wanted us to have because it was limited. Um, Anyway, it, it was a struggle because we were really close to, to saying yes to that property, but relying on God and his, his excellent standard, um, we, we made the decision to say no, and, you know, and I was part of that. And um, lo and behold, God had something better many years, many years afterwards, right? So praise God for that. Okay, so those are some milestones. There are some other things that I think about because one of the reasons why I'm still here on earth, I believe, is to share the gospel. So um, I thought through examples or opportunities I've had to share the gospel and to see whether, you know, God, to see how God has used that or not. So I listed a few. Um, I remember, I remember uh, a homeroom classmate of mine. I didn't have him in many classes, but I had him in homeroom in high school. So I remember sharing the gospel with him on the lawn uh, at high school. And there was a, a little bit of a language barrier, so, but he would nod a lot. 
And I think he may have received Christ. I don't know. Until this day, I don't know. Um, then, um, a really good friend of mine who became a four-year roommate of mine in college, in high school, we actually took a trip to Europe. And I shared the gospel with him then. Years later, he actually pointed to that time as when he got saved. So praise God. That was pretty cool. And then both of us, now this friend of mine, uh, he and I were roommates in the dorm. Uh, an, another high school friend came, and I remember we shared the gospel with him in our dorm room, and, and um, uh, that, that other friend received Christ. So that was pretty good. Pretty, it was really exciting when God uses you in that way. Um, then uh, Donna's father, many, many years ago, was actually quite sick. And um, it's hard to communicate with him. So I remember writing him a letter explaining what the gospel is. And um, apparently my sister-in-law's, Donna's sister's um, pastor visited him, could speak Chinese with him. And the word back was that he might have received Christ shortly before he died. We don't know for sure. Um, so that was another, another example. And then one that, if you're in membership class, I, I often tell this. Um, the, the day after we started GBF, I um, went to work. So the Monday after, I saw somebody at the copier who was very friendly. I had started a new job. I had only been there about a month. And so she asked, oh, what'd you do this weekend? And I said, oh, I helped start a new church. And it just started a conversation with her. And um, she had just started going to another church in uh, Santa Cruz. And about a month or two later, she became a Christian. And she came to our Bible study for about six weeks, the one that I was leading. So uh, that was pretty cool, too. So the reason why I tell you these things is God's faithful. Uh, I didn't do much in these things. I was just trying to be faithful in sharing the gospel. Uh, it's it's God doing the work in that. But um, just just wanted to to share those are kind of highlights of my faith journey. There are other people that I've talked to, and I have a list there. I'm not going to go through that, but other people I've shared the gospel with. We're still praying for them. Okay. Ah. Uh, I told you about some of the highlights. Uh, I said I was going to be transparent, so here comes some of the ugliness. Uh, I remember, this, this is high school again, praying that God would give me a heart for people. And he did by transforming me from being a totally self-centered person actually caring about people. So I used to make fun of people quite a lot verbally. Uh, and I thought I was just being witty or funny. Uh, but then it dawned on me that I, I, was, I was making these comments just to make me feel better, make me feel superior. And I was really putting down these people. So God convicted me. I pleaded with God to change me. And he miraculously answered very quickly. He changed my mindset and he gave me a heart in a relatively, uh, he gave me a loving heart for these people in a relatively short period of time uh, during my high school days. So uh, he did the transformation. I just pleaded with him. Um, so th that's, uh, that's uh, something to praise God about. Okay, a second low point. This was 
During the time that uh, Donna and I had been married, we were now in uh, Sunnyvale. We were still commuting up to San Francisco Bible Church, our home church. and We were doing this for about four years. Uh, it was hard to fellowship with believers um, because all our, of our network of church friends were up in San Francisco. So we're, there was no midweek interaction with them. Uh, in August of 1988, we actually got, were involved in a rollover car accident. This was heading north on 101 at the Embarcadero exit. So next time you drive up there, I don't know, maybe you can think of what happened <laughs> uh, to, to us. Um, but it was, I, we felt that it was something that uh, God used to get our attention. And so that following year, starting in January, we decided that we we're going to look for a church close to where we are here in the South Bay. So we visited churches for five months. So happened that our next-door neighbors at the time were going to First Baptist Church Los Altos, and they invited us to a musical program there. And, and you know Donna loves music. So we went, and we continued going to that church ever since. We never visited another church after that week. Um, Two men were really key in helping me feel comfortable at uh, FBCLA. Remember, I was at a Chinese-American church for all this time, and this was our first venture into a non-ethnic church. So one person uh, actually went on to become a pastor afterwards, and a second person uh, actually was a charter member of GBF uh, until, for about a year until they moved to uh, North Carolina. So what I'm trying to say with this is those two people really influenced uh, my, my walk by reaching out to me, making me feel comfortable there. Okay, uh, to try to summarize this portion a little bit, what, what are the takeaways here? Takeaway number one, God is orchestrating the events in your life. You can trust them. No matter whether things are going well or Things are not going well. They're going tough, like the incident with uh, the Christian school where we were wronged. Right? We gave it up to God. Uh, God will take care of you. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is many, many people invested in me in all those years. So I am a product of the good works of all those other people. Uh, those drivers who drove me on Sunday and, and Fridays, the leaders who prayed for me, the Sunday school teachers who taught me the truth of the Bible, the fellowship group adult leaders who taught me how to, as a student, who taught me how to organize and to lead, one of the pastors who invested in leadership development and he took a small group of us for two years and uh, just invested his life into leadership training. We read all this extra material, um, had to write out doctrinal statements, uh, etc. And this was all before the seminary that I went to. Um, there was another person during college when I was at Berkeley. He would drive from South San Francisco to Berkeley once a week to help us with a Bible study that we were holding. Um, so the, the point is, you too can have a great investment in other people. You may not know in this life if you've had an effect, but remember those good works. Again, I'm a product of all those other people. We can have influence in their lives as well. All right. Now, I'd like to uh, spend a little bit of time 
this is really the third point in, in the lessons learned. Keep the faith. And I wanted to refer to 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 to 13 right now. And um, I've highlighted a few verses there. But let me, let me read the passage for us. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So, this is keep the faith. I often refer back to 1 John 5.13 to remind myself over and over again, especially when my feelings waver or wane, to remind myself that I can be confident right now in this salvation that I have. That's why 1 John was written, so that we might know that we can have eternal life. As verse 4 reminds us, this is a step of faith. Okay. Now, uh, there are three testimonies here. That's another three, by the way. Uh, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, they all testify. Right? The Spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. So the water refers to the beginning of Jesus Christ's ministry at his baptism. The blood refers to the end of his ministry at his crucifixion. And the Spirit Spirit being God himself, um, knowing Jesus Christ interprets and applies those truths to our heart. Right? So we have, um, we have those three that testify. And, and again, as I have said in membership class, you might remember if you've attended, um, the Old Testament and the New Testament have many examples of truth is established on the testimony of two or three. Right? And we have here testimony of three, the spirit, the water, and the blood. So this is just a little reminder. If you, along your journey, uh, need a little refresher or need that confidence that we are uh, truly overcomers, uh, we need to have faith, but um, that testimony is true. Okay, so... A little bit of recap now. I'm a third generation Chinese American. I'm the third child of three. I have three daughters. I've worked at three companies for 10 years or more. And I've been at three churches 13 years or more. 
That's the three. Okay. Now, I have th three more favorite threes that I want to talk about. First one is three-point basketball shots. Okay. I love taking them, but I love more making them. Um, and then another three is what I just mentioned, the, the three that testify to the veracity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And probably my favorite three is the three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All right? So that's, that's my summary of, of my testimony. I am the last of the uh, elders, right? So e each of the eight elders now has given their testimony. But I want to refer you back to one more verse in that 1 John passage. 1 John 5, verse 9. It says, if we receive the testimony of men, so have you received the testimony of the elders for eight weeks now? If you have received the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Right, so I want to leave you with that thought. All right, thank you.